0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Reflected, a podcast, a, I don't know, journey of sorts, a ham radio operator's miscellany. a place to collect stories and other things, I suppose. This is episode two, crusty tornadoes and unanswered repeaters. Let's get into it. As I'm sure you're all familiar with already, my name is Alan. I am a ham radio operator, and if you've made it to the second episode, I'm assuming you've listened to the first one. If not, no, well, no big deal. But this story um, is a bit of a continuance uh, from the uh, story I started to share in episode one called Let's Give This a Try. Um... I guess, uh, you know, episode one was about, well, we're going to give this uh, podcasting a try and see how it goes. And in that one, I started to share a story about uh, uh, a tornado that I was, uh, you know, keeping an eye on, I guess, for Skywarn um, a couple years ago. And uh, not having much uh, success using uh, the local amateur radio repeaters. So I, you know, I had to revert to using uh, just calling a national weather service with my cell phone, which is uh, (sighs) frustrating. Yeah, I mean, you always hear in amateur radio circles that when all else fails, amateur radio will be there. Well, at least in that instance, amateur radio wasn't there but cell phones were. Now, that isn't any direct fault of amateur radio as a whole. Amateur radio certainly has its uses uh, in that case. The issue here was uh, staffing personnel, if you will. So let's do a, a bit of a brief recap, shall we? So in amateur radio, there's a thing called Skywarn. And in that Skywarn, typically what you have is a amateur radio operator and an amateur radio station consisting of typically a VHF or UHF mobile radio and possibly an HF radio. At least one of those things uh, stationed at the National Weather Service office for that particular territory. Whenever there is a severe weather event, um the National Weather Service will put the call out to the local amateur radio operators um, on uh, at least in this area what's known as a code red list and uh those amateur radio operators are supposed to respond to the National Weather Service office and activate that amateur radio station simultaneously uh fellow ham radio operators are to be going out into the field to their prescribed areas um, to keep an eye on weather and report ground truth back to National Weather Service. Why do we do this? Well, we do this because uh, given the nature of how weather radar works, the meteorologists can't see uh, what's happening directly on the ground level. They can see upper level atmosphere, mid level and low level atmosphere, but they can't see what's happening, you know, on several hundred feet, you know, off the ground, off the, uh, uh, off the surface of, of the planet, we'll say. So that we rely on people in the field, amateur radio operators who have eyes on the storm and are reporting back to them what they see. This informs their decisions as to whether or not to issue, uh, warnings. Do we turn the sirens on tornado sirens? That is, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a very useful thing that amateur radio does. And in a lot of communities this works extremely effectively. However, in my area, this is less so effective. This is a sensitive subject for me, we'll say, among many, and I'm sure we'll get into those here, but uh, suffice it to say, um, I am a much different person than I used to be then. Uh, Things like this would bother me back then, they really would, and they still kind of do now, but to a lesser extent. Um, I was the section manager for my county for Skywarn, which didn't really mean much because I was the only Skywarn person in the county. So, I mean, what do you do with that? Um, but, uh, setting that aside, you know, we, as a whole, the Skywarn, uh, community here um, try to work together uh, during severe weather w- events to get the information to the meteorologists that they need well in recent years and this is going back i don't know so probably three four years now it's been on a steady decline uh, as far as uh, active members in the in the, uh, Skywarn, Skywarn situation here. So when I was in, um, when the, the station we had at the National Weather Service was effectively just a, I think we had a VHF mobile radio and, uh, an HF, HF radio. Uh, but we typically during weather events really only used the, the VHF radio. um, Weather reports that were gathered from operators out in the field were recorded in a paper log um, by hand uh, during the activation. Um, while there is uh, free training that you can take, put on by the National Weather Service office, not all operators had taken the training, and even those that had, um, it didn't didn't seem to want to. Follow the guidelines, we'll say. Um, so you would get a varying type of report that would come in. Some people would call in rain. Um, I I heard people calling in uh, sunshine. Actually, um, to be fair, it was a break in the rain, and they were reporting a break in the rain. But you know, colloquially, it was known as we. Had somebody called in sunshine. Um, you know, but people were reporting things just to report them. And that's not necessarily want what you want to have happen during a severe weather event. Um, you want to keep the frequency clear for actual traffic when it's needed. And ideally you should be sticking to a uniform, um, style of traffic. You know a uniform format, and this wasn't happening. Furthermore, we were still using the paper logs, which meant that um, there's a significant amount of time um, from when the report was reported uh, to the Skywarn station uh, at the National Weather Service office to when the meteorologist actually received the information. So. Uh, like I said, me being a much different person back then, I decided that, uh, well, we needed to modernize this a little bit. You know, we needed to incorporate modern ways of doing things in amateur radio. We need to, we need to incorporate APRS. Uh, we need to incorporate Google Maps. Uh, we need to have a bit more training on how, um, how to standardize the type of communications we're doing. Uh, we need to be a bit more professional in how we were doing it. And like I said, being a bit of a different person back then, I was pretty aggressive with this. You know, I I had a vision and um, I was not patient enough to deal with all the red tape that one has to go through when you deal with amateur radio clubs to get anything done. OK, so. You know, I, I forged ahead as best I could, you know, with, in being frustrated with the whole thing, uh, from pretty much from start to finish, I had a handful of really good hands on my side that were doing amazing things. You know, we had put a lot of work into developing communications plans. Um, and we had developed a repeater coverage map, you know, that uh, was color coded and outlined, um, uh, what repeater had what range and what area, you know, and that map was up at uh, the National Weather Service office. So the operator there uh, could tell, you know, uh, based on what repeater he was listening to, what area he was covering. Uh, Along with that, you know, we were using APRS uh, for the spotters in the field that would report their location so we could overlay that on a Google map that we had at the National Weather Service office, So, the uh, operator there had a map with pinpoints on it, so he knew where all of these operators were and could keep track of them. We also were trying to do things like, um, you know, if the uh, if the if a particular spotter was was actively tracking something, you know, a gust front or a funnel cloud or whatever, uh, if there was a period of you know uh i believe our interv- interval was was 5 minutes if there was a period of 5 minutes without any traffic from him we would do a check in you know uh excuse me we would do a check in just to uh to see how he was doing you know and uh make sure all is well you know basically it was you know um n0zfg uh um how's it going out there and, and typically you know the station would reply n0z n0zfg <laughs> Words are hard today. N zero ZFG ten two. Um of course, you know, ten two being uh ten code for everything's okay. And oh boy. We introduce ten code. <laughs> That's almost worthy of an entire episode itself, I think. But for some reason, a ten code is is just just verboten in it's just forbidden in amateur radio. And I just don't understand why 10 code is so much more effective than Q code. Um, I personally can't, can't stand Q code. I mean, yeah. Anyway, if being on a fire department, you know, if 10 code is good enough for, for first responders and police departments and sheriff's offices, and you know, all that 10 code is good enough for them. And 10 code is good enough for hammer for, <laughs> for hammer, hammer radio uh anyway so anyway uh that's <laughs> kind of beside the point we we might actually cover that in a, another episode but so needless to say um you know we were trying to modernize uh the whole outfit i mean we even had our lanyards with our id badges and stuff because you actually kind of you, you had to have some sort of identification to get into the national weather service office anyway so you know we had the nice orange sky worn lanyards and the badges and stuff like that, but um, so we had all this documentation, we had all these plans in place and prepared. And um, I had put on a presentation at our local uh PSAP, and so for uh, um, uh, for <laughs> trying to keep track of my train of thoughts here, right. Uh, peace app is uh, public safety answering point. Um, so you know that's where your nine one one calls go. You pick up the phone, you call nine one one, it it goes there. That's where the dispatcher is. So in the basement of our local peace app, we had this presentation that involved uh, the local sheriff's department, the local police department, uh, National Weather Service had a presence there, and all the uh, amateur radio operators that were partaking in Skywarn at the time were there. And so I did a presentation on uh, what we we were proposing we wanted to change, you know, and our uh, reasoning for wanting to change them, right? And I thought it was a fantastic presentation. I mean, I had visual aids, you know, we did the PowerPoint, I had some video clips and whatever else, how effective these new things could be, you know, and how it streamlined everything. We really eliminated the confusion of communication that can happen when people are using non-standard terminology, when people are reporting things that are unnecessary, uh, when people are exaggerating conditions. uh, It adds a lot of confusion and it really erodes the trustworthiness of the reports that National Weather Service is getting from the field. So anyway, I did this like, it was only like 45 minutes long, this presentation. And uh, okay, so I got, okay. So I got to back up here keep in mind myself and, uh, the group of guys that were with me, you know, at the time, you know, we're all, we're all about round about 30 years old. Right. So we are the, by a large margin, the youngest people, uh, in that room. Okay. Ex- except for maybe the, the public safety guys, but you know, for the, for the amateur radio operators, we by a large margin, uh, we're the youngest people in there. Um, so by the end of that presentation, um, we had effectively started a war between new hams and young hams unintentionally. New hams wanting to modernize and streamline and, and uh, it, you know, in, in our viewpoint, improve the operation were now against the more senior amateur radio operators who Wanted to use the tried and true methods. This is the way we've always done it. You know, we don't, we never have any issues with this. We've done it for the past 50 years. It's worked fine for us. We don't want to change. And I'm sure this scenario has played out many, many times in many, many other amateur radio clubs across the planet, right? And I'm sure it's not just limited to amateur radio, but it seems like an amateur radio, at least at least in this area, it's a bit, um, shall we say, sensitive, I guess? Sensitive seems to be about the best way I could describe this. Oh boy, like I said, we unintentionally started a war, right? So now we had none of the, I shouldn't say none, there was, I think, one, maybe two that stuck around. But for the most part, the vast majority of the more senior amateur radio operators uh, ceased to participate in uh, Skywarn. And this was just, I mean, like I said, I was a much different person then. So I took things personally. I react in ways I probably shouldn't have, you know. Um, uh, You know, some of the things I'm not proud of. Some of the things I did, I can't even really remember exactly what had happened or why it had happened, but, you know, some, some friendships were broken and, uh, et cetera, et cetera, you know, uh, so the Skywarn system in this area was never really the same after that. Um, you know, it wasn't soon after that, uh, as a matter of fact, I left the Skywarn thing. In fact, I had left amateur radio altogether at that point. Um, I had convinced myself that uh, amateur radio was just uh, full of people who were stuck in the past and didn't want to embrace change in the slightest. Well, that's obviously not true, right? I mean, there's a lot of people in amateur radio now that are fully embracing the future. I mean, look at all the digital modes we have now, and um, you know all the the new types of equipment. SDR is really taking off. Um, young people are coming into the hobby more than they ever have before. It's absolutely fantastic, and that's kind of the reason why I got back into amateur radio because I had kind of made peace with the fact that. There's just aspects of this hobby that I just need to stay away from. And if I'm going to be a part of the hobby, I just need to, A, not take things personally, right? B, just kind of do my own thing, right? Attack amateur radio the way I want to do it, right? I want to learn from it what I want to learn from it. Make it fun for me. So that's what I'm attempting to do. Now, there are still things in this area that I find frustrating, right? Um, so where I live um, is kind of like in the middle of this like amateur radio repeater purgatory, whereas the, the larger city to my north has a, a series of repeaters in it. Um, well, I say series. There's, there's two, there's two on the air right now. Um, one of which nobody monitors, but that one has pretty decent range, right? I can, I can very easily and very clearly use that one from, from, uh, the little town that I live, which is about 20 miles South. The other one, um, through various reasons of neglect or not understanding, the repeater itself uh, only has about about seven miles of range. When you get out of out of the the bigger town to my north, about seven miles out of town, it starts to drop off pretty quick. Um, there's a there's another repeater, um, about forty miles east. Well about 30 miles east. Um that I, we can pick up, you know, clear as a bell. And from and I guess it's about 40 miles as the crow flies from that repeater to my place. Um and I can bring it up easily from here. So the thing that frustrates me is when I try to tell someone about this repeater's um poor performance you know only having seven miles of range I am met with the standard well there's something wrong with your with your mobile outfit because it works fine for me and you know after a while you just quit trying right um you know and the people that say this are people who never leave town you know so you know they run their errands and stuff in town and of course it works fine for them because they're in town right they don't go out of town So, um, and then to the South of me, there's another little town with the, with the same issue I get about seven miles of range. So I'm right in between those two. Um, so I really only have two repeaters, amateur radio repeaters that I don't, that I don't run, um, that I can access. One of which isn't monitored. The other one is rarely monitored. So not super effective. You know, in an emergency situation, say I got you know stuck in the ditch in my vehicle during the winter time. there's no point in calling for help on either one of those because um, no one's going to hear you. So you know, um, what it, what's a, what's a young-ish amateur radio operator to do, especially one with experience in public safety-grade equipment? Well, you take some of that used public safety equipment and you employ it in amateur radio service. So that's what I did. So I put on the air my own P25, um, slash analog. We can do both in simulcast, um, with, um, four receive sites with a voting system. So I can cover this whole area we're in with, um, perfectly clear, beautiful digi- digital, audio, and it's a, it's an absolutely wonderful thing. You know, un- unfortunately there aren't that many people that use it, um, because it's, well, it's digital. It's P20. Not only is it digital, it's P25 digital, which means you have to have, um, a public safety grade piece of equipment to utilize that or a scanner, but then you can only listen, right? And there's this perception out there that public safety grade equipment is hard to use, it's expensive, it's, you know, it's this, it's that. Um, You have to have, you know, super expensive software to program it. You have to have programming cables and it's just not ideal for the ham, right? So, and that's just, that's just not true these days. I mean, the equipment's cheap on eBay. A lot of times you can find the software for free. You can make the cables yourself if you're industrious or you can buy them from eBay for less than 20 bucks. And um, as a unintentional benefit, you now get to use public safety-grade equipment, which is just about indestructible. Not to mention, you get 110 watts, you know, in some cases, you know, output power in VHF or UHF. So instead of complaining about the poor repeater coverage anymore, I decided to do something about it. And that's what I did, put my own system on the air. So, you know, it's there when I need it. Um, You know, I've got some friends that use it. Um, You know, unfortunately, the main guy that used it's no longer with us. God rest him. But, you know, my, my spouse uses it. Um, So uh, I think all in all, a, uh, it's a win-win, right? And then I, you know, I'm, I've solved, I've solved the problem for myself, you know. And of course, it's, you know, it's amateur radio; it's free for all hams to use should they choose to, right? So, I don't know. What's the moral of all this that I've been going on about for nearly the last half an hour? Um, I guess it's this. Don't take don't take things personally, right? Be patient. You know, as I say at the end of all of my videos and podcasts, be kind to everyone because everyone's fighting a battle that you don't know anything about. And man, especially today, is that ever true? So just remember, it's amateur radio. Let's calm down. Let's take a breath. Let's relax a little bit. Let's have some fun with it. The old ways of doing things certainly have their place. The new ways of doing things certainly have their place. You know, you can be in one camp or you can be in the other camp or you can be anywhere you want in between. It doesn't matter, right? Whatever makes you happy. So, the Skyworn outfit in my area is slowly improving, I think. We are getting new hams in the area. I may at some point rejoin. Maybe this, this storm season I'll rejoin and we'll do some lo- some uh we'll make some videos on what it's like to do storm spotting for Skywarn. You know, it's not really <laughs> that interesting. It's not like Twister or, you know, we're not out there being like redimmer or anything like that. But, you know, maybe we'll do something like that. Unfortunately, we still deal with the same poor coverage re- repeaters. But, you know, what do you do? You know, I would love to get the National Weather Service office in my area set up with the, you know, a uh, some radio equipment to be able to utilize my P-25 system because it's, you know, uh, it just works. But, you know, it is what it is, right? Nothing I can do about it. So... I know this episode has been a bit dreary, a bit downtrodden, lackluster, if you will. Oh, what else is it? Maybe not even that interesting, really. But these are things that need to be said. If not for everyone, at least for me. So now that they are said, um, let's just... Not worry about it anymore. Let's move on. The past is the past, right? So, in the spirit of moving on, let's move on. So, until next time, my friends, this is Reflected, a ham radio operator's miscellany. This is Alan.